0: Good morning, church. Uh, I'm here to speak on forgiveness, and truthfully, forgiveness is a difficult topic. It's difficult because if we're being honest with ourselves, I think we get it wrong time and time again. We get forgiveness wrong between each other. We get forgiveness wrong between our perception of God. And it permeates through everything that we do. Uh, In a second, I'm about to show a video just to set the tone of what forgiveness can look like. Because I think in seeing what it can look like, we'll recognize how much further we have to go. So, if you guys don't mind, point your attention over that way.
1: I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it again. I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again I love you as a person, and I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes.
0: Watching that on some level it makes us uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable because, to be honest, I don't know if I could do that. I I don't know if I could forgive someone that took away a loved one from me. Right, and, and we're watching a video where. This person is so caught up in the love of God that they are brought to tears by the idea of just wanting to give that person a hug. Could y'all do that? I, I know that the idea of forgiveness in our minds, it's like, ah, uh, I can forgive the little things. But then we have a stopping point. And that stopping point, especially as Christians, is the most heartbreaking thing to watch. Because God has no stopping point. And every time I watch that video, I'm reminded of that. But you see, we all have these false narratives of what forgiveness is. And as we we go through this morning, we're going to talk about the things we get wrong in forgiveness, because I think if we work together and we redefine forgiveness, it's better for you. It's better for me. But it's it's better for our community, and ultimately, it's better for the kingdom of God. Uh, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to pray again real quick, because I need it. <laughs> uh, dear Lord. God, you just continue to go and you transcend all pain. I just pray that as a church, as a people, we we start to realize how much further we can go for one another. And as bridge builders, we don't just see a hole or a gap in the bridge and say that's far enough. But we keep going that we understand that forgiveness is so much bigger. Lord, I I just pray that you're with me during this time and uh, you just empower me to speak your words, Lord. It's in your name we pray, amen. So here's the thing about forgiveness. And one of the things we get wrong every time, and I'm sure it's true for you, it's true for me, but ultimately we make it about ourselves. We say that, hey, you deserve to tell me what you did wrong. You have to come to me and say, I'm sorry. Or I'm justified in how I feel. I don't have to reach out. I don't have to continue past. It is your fault. It becomes about me, me, me. And as we do that, as we make it about ourselves, we're shifting something that is supposed to be a moment of reconciliation to just I. I don't know about you guys, but teamwork doesn't work (laughs) if it's just you. And and that's what a moment of forgiveness is. It is a moment between two people. So how does making it about yourself work? And I'm not saying that there isn't pain or heartache, there is that. But it's not just yours. It's never just yours. Uh, When I was 17 years old, uh, I had just, I got my license at 16, but I didn't have a car yet, and so I turned 17, and I I was excited because my dad was going out of town. And uh, he told me like two weeks, three weeks in advance, yeah, I'll I'll leave leave you the keys to the Jeep. So I'm like, yes, absolutely. I'm about to have a car, and he's gonna be gone for like two weeks. That's two weeks of me being able to drive. Uh, And, you know, I was 17, so I'm thinking like, I can definitely go out on dates and everything like that. And I, I was excited over the prospect of what I was gonna have. And, so the day rolls around, it was in December, and he's going and, and he left early in the morning, right? And at the time, uh, we, we only had two cars. And for whatever reason, he ended up driving to the airport and he parked the car at the overnight thing and left with the keys, right? Okay, silly thing, it's, it's a mistake, but in my mind, I was furious. I could not have been angrier at the fact that now you've just ruined my two-week plan. I was supposed to be able to go to checkers after school, right? I I had already, like, texted this girl, and I was like, listen, I can actually pick you up and go to the movies. This is about to be great. And everything was spoiled. Um, And then he gets back, and, and I'm... I'm pissed. I'm so angry and annoyed over the fact that I didn't get what I wanted. And and he told me he was going to give it to me, right? And so I'm feeling justified. And for two weeks, in typical teenage fashion, I was standoffish. I didn't really talk. I'm pretty sure I didn't talk to him or have a real conversation for a two-week time, period. And i'm I'm now twenty eight years old uh, since then, my father has passed away, and I think about those two weeks almost every other day i I think about the dinners I chose not to speak about or speak to him i I think about the times on the couch where I decided to ignore him and be on my phone i I think about the times where I decided to drive with my mom instead of my dad, I think about every single missed opportunity because I thought I had a right to be mad. Now, I didn't know it back then, but as I've gotten older, I've come to realize during that whole time, and some of you guys know this, my dad was was sick during the time, And as I started to learn more about the impacts of treatment and and cancer and everything as I got older, it started to dawn on me that there was a lot going on and it was probably an honest mistake. I, I held a two week grudge that will go with me for the rest of my life because I was focused on the I and forgiveness. And that is why I'm so passionate while I'm up here today. Because you can't take that back. Now, we're lucky we have a Heavenly Father and he does amazing things. But how much heartache and pain would be saved if we genuinely forgave one another? I wouldn't have memories like that. It just took me a couple years to learn it. It becomes a dangerous moment. Because in heartache and in pain, we start to feel like we're justified in the consequences that we dole out. And even though you're hurt, even though something was done to you, it's not your job. It is not your job to be in control of other people. It is not your job to decide what is the appropriate action. It's not, it's not your job to decide the consequences of other people around you. It's your job to love them. But deciding That, well, in my case, you deserve for me not to talk to you for two weeks. See the pain that came out of that. Second thing, we believe apologies can heal. We believe that the words, I'm sorry, fixes things. That if you go to someone, you say, I'm sorry, it's done or you're waiting for an I'm sorry. So you're not going to engage with the person until you get that back. We think that three words fixes pain. Listen, man, we're all in this room, can we be honest? When has that ever worked? So why is that the expectation we put on people, right? We wait for I'm sorry's. We wait until someone reaches out to us to say those three words, knowing that it doesn't work for us. So I'm willing to sit here and be standoffish and be angry and not reach out. Because I'm waiting on three words that doesn't work. Sounds kind of dumb, right? And I'm not saying that I'm sorry isn't the start of a process, it can be. But it's not the end and beginning. It it, it does not encompass everything. We have to, have to stop treating it that way. We have to stop treating like just reaching out and doing a quick apology is enough in our personal lives, in our communities, in everything that we do. We all have personal experiences where we understand that wasn't enough. So that shouldn't be the standard. Uh, I have a buddy of mine, and we, we were talking about uh, I'm sorry. And I, he said something that honestly kind of stuck with me and everything like that. And, it was the fact that we use I'm sorry's as a band-aid. We think I am sorry, an apology, functions like a band-aid that we could just slap it on and it'll heal itself, right? We get a scrape, you scrape your knee, you put a band-aid on it, you wait it out. That does a disservice to the pain people feel. Because more times than not, we need actual surgery. Because heartache, pain, is complicated. It's deep. And it takes time to work through. So we're taking something super complicated and putting a Band-Aid on, saying we're fine. And it's ridiculous. And... We don't want to admit it because if we admit it, we're saying that, hey, I'm recognizing my actions have hurt you in a way that's deeper than I want to say out loud. That it's gonna take more time to process and heal through it. i rather live from I'm sorry to I'm sorry than deal with the work that goes with it. Well, yeah, I got my uh, first girlfriend when I was 13. Right. We were in love. It was crazy. And I'll never forget the uh, geography class. We had a project and we, we had to make our own country. And so we're, we're sitting there and my, my mom always told me, you know, focus on school, not girls. And I was like, all right, it's a project. I'm not going to pick my girlfriend to be my partner. I wanted an A, I'm sorry. Hopefully she's not listening, (laughs) you know, or maybe she is, but I I wanted to get an A. And I knew if I partnered with my girlfriend at the time, yeah, I'm not sure if that would happen. So I go and I, I partner with a buddy of mine and I'm walking down the halls and I'm, I get to the corner and there was a stairwell there and I see her coming up the stairwell. I'm starting to panic and everything like that. And I was like, oh man, I know she's going to be mad. And she starts yelling at me. And I'm, I'm 13 years old, yelling at me publicly in school is the most traumatizing thing <laughs> that could happen. So I'm getting yelled at and everything like that. And I'm like, just make it stop. And so I'm just like, I'm sorry. I just spit it out. I'm sorry. And what happened in that moment was I started to develop a habit. I started going, whether it was relationship to relationship, in workplaces, in friendships, that the minute I hurt someone or bothered them, that I would just say I'm sorry and just not deal with anything else. And for the person receiving I'm sorry, They just accepted it. Not dealing with anything else as well. And we do that consistently. Going from I'm sorry, to I'm sorry, to I'm sorry. Over and over and over again. It doesn't get any better. Third thing. We have a moment when we say the problem is too big. Each and every one of us, if I asked you and you closed your eyes, you know the one thing you're struggling with that you can either never apologize for or you'll never reach out to a person for. We have them. We decide that they're too large, that it's impossible to close the gap because either we disagree and we think too differently, because the pain that was caused was too big, that there's no way we could ever find common ground and understanding. And when we do that, we've just decided how, God, how big God is. We've made that decision. We've decided that God has a limit, and our problem is it. And the craziest thing about that is we're Christians on a call and in a church celebrating the fact that we are forgiven. Singing about the fact that we have endless love. Yet we limit God in personal ways every day, every single day. We limit in who we choose to talk to, who we choose to reach out to, who we choose to love, who we choose to apologize to. And that is the most disheartening thing we can do as Christians to one another and to ourselves. Because our whole faith is built upon the fact that God continued beyond what we were worth. Beyond any limit. That's the whole premise for this thing right here. So why are we discounting that between each other. Why are we stopping? I, it's hard. And, and truthfully, for me here speaking about forgiveness, I get choked up at parts. I get I get choked up because I go back and I look at every single moment especially in relation to my dad. Because when you go and you lose someone, you replay your whole life with that person. And I can't help but think about how, if I understood forgiveness better, how much more time I would have had. And that's a really personal example, but... It's true for all of us. I truth time? Guess what? We all have a limited amount of time here. If you didn't know, surprise. That's true for each and every one of us. So what are what are we doing with it? I The other day, uh, I got a phone call, and it, my mom calls me like all the time, and she she calls me about tea, <laughs> right? And she's just there talking and talking about how tea, and you know, tea's gonna keep Corona away, all this stuff, you know, great stuff. And I'm listening to her, and I'm I'm laughing and everything like that, but. I started to indulge her just a little bit because I understood that time was precious. And that came from an understanding of how the lack of forgiveness impacted my life. That any disagreement that I might have with my mom from time to time is not worth having that relationship fail. And we all have those shortcomings and pain. But healing from that doesn't come from a person, it comes from God. If the expectation is that a person can fix all the intricate and complicated moments in your life, you're wrong. That doesn't happen. You can work with someone. You can move forward with someone. But the actual healing part, the part that's in your heart, the pain, the suffering that you feel, I'm sorry, doesn't fix that. Working side by side with them. Yeah, it's progress, but it's not going to internally fix that. That's a God thing. And I'm not sure where everyone is at in their own faith. And for those of you who aren't Jesus followers, uh, we could stop right there. We we could just say that, hey, those are some good things to think about. I guess you're right. You know, I shouldn't put my expectations on someone else. I'm sorry doesn't fix it. That that maybe I have to change how I think I'm healed and move forward. But as Christians, as believers, we know there's more. We are given a holy book and a relationship with Christ that lays out how to move forward. How to work with one another, how to be healed. Forgiveness and our issues with forgiveness don't just stop with us identifying the problems, but we have actual solutions. We have real tangible things to help fix this thing. And as a Christian, that excites me. That empowers me. It lets me know that I'm not bound to just the moment and the pain, but I can move beyond that. But we we have to recognize we have issues in how we see forgiveness in the first place. Right? We have to recognize that we make forgiveness about ourselves. That we keep telling ourselves that apologies can heal. We say that our problems are too big. And all of that is wrong. It just is. And we have personal experience that tells us that. Each and every one of us. Uh, I was super like awake this morning. I woke up really early. And I tried going back through this over and over again. And I keep getting to the part where I was like, all right, wait, what is God wanting me to share with you? I had written all of this stuff out, and I was like, all right, I think this is all it, but what is God wanting me to share? And then I realized that I'm just sharing God. That's it. That is the role for every Christian, is to continually share God. So when we go to redefine forgiveness we have to understand that forgiveness is not about me but it's about us moving toward God on a journey it's about we it's about me and my brother me and my co-worker me and my spouse moving toward God together so how do we do that How do we move toward God together when we're upset, when we're hurt, when we feel like there is no way we can come to common ground? We have to personally seek God. We have to make God a priority for ourselves. First and foremost. Uh, I'll read a little bit of scripture. This is Proverbs two, three through six. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. When we personally seek God, when God is a priority, it changes how we understand the problem in front of us. It changes how we understand the world, and it changes how we understand ourselves. If we are going into forgiveness and reconciliation with one another, and we don't have a true understanding of what the problem even is, then we are set up for failure. And the only way you can bridge that gap is if you are personally investing in God and you're letting God work through, that, through you. You seek after him. It, I'll read one part again. For the Lord gives wisdom. It doesn't say might. Maybe, sometimes, he gives it. But you have to seek it. And all of our heartache, I'm sure if you look back on on your life, you wish you were a little bit wiser. A little bit smarter about your choices. How you spoke. What would have happened if, before we spoke, we searched God first. We seeked for him. It would change the the dynamic of everything. And it's in that moment of introspection we realize two things. One, we're not perfect. In our part, our version of whatever happened, I'm sure we have something to confess. Now, sometimes, and I, I have to be careful when I say this because there are times where people are hurt in ways that I couldn't even imagine. That happens. But we are still beholden for how we choose to react out of that. And sometime God just needs to illuminate how we're treating others after the fact. Sometimes we can't go to the person who hurt us. But you can let God speak into your life for how you treat people after that person. But again, that only happens if you're seeking God in the first place. The second thing in that moment of introspection is We understand what God wants for us. We understand the relationship part. We understand that the best thing for someone else is to have a moment with Christ. The best thing. That's why I think that video is so powerful because it recognizes that the best thing in this moment is for you to know God. It's not you saying I'm sorry. It's not us becoming best friends. It is an honest, true relationship with Christ. That is the best thing. And when we understand that is the best thing for not only ourselves, but those who have grieved us, it changes how you want to move forward. Because then it's not about them trying to fix you. It's about how can you get that person closer to God while you're blessed with the opportunity to be in their life. And, and that's a very, very different dynamic and it's specific to Christians. I. You don't have to raise your hand for this. But... My wife can tell you, sometimes we tend to be just like a little bit snippy and sarcastic, right? And even in those moments when we're having a fight or anything like that, what comes out of my mouth it's not necessarily glorifying to God. And I'm sure a lot of y'all have been in that boat. Where you say something really quickly, just off the cuff and you know you shouldn't have. That you know ultimately what purpose did that serve. All it did was sow more division. And the reason I bring that up is because when we're talking about moving towards this journey with God and moving others towards it, we have to realize that our actions and how we choose to respond as Christians impacts how that other person views Christ. A lot of times when we get hurt and we get upset, we take the feelings of justification and we use that as a rationale to say and do whatever we want. Church, we got to stop that. That's nonsense. It is. Because each thing you say you do can either be a beacon for Christ. If you're lucky, maybe keeps the other person stagnant, but at worst, moves them away from God. The scariest thing I can do as a Christian is move someone away from God. And I think about that every single time. Because if I'm claiming Christ, if he's in my heart and this is what I love, this is what I believe, why would I wanna do anything that pushes someone away from that? Just because we disagree? just because I'm upset or I'm hurt? I'm supposed to push them away from eternal life? That, that's what I'm supposed to do? Absolutely not. We are called to move toward God, to represent that, to love through that. And when we understand that, we think twice about what we say and how we choose to move forward. How quickly we're supposed to go to that person. It is not just, I'm justified in this. Instead, it's about God. And that changes everything. I want to read another piece of scripture for you guys. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Psalms 107, 13 through 14. Healing comes from God. Healing will always come from God. I said it earlier, it doesn't come from a person, but I, we need to understand that. We need to understand that in our heartache, in our pain, that, that is more of a reason to run towards God than anything else. Because then you have the opportunity to actually be made new. Who wants to sit in their own pain? Now, there, there's a time and a place for reflection. And Andy spoke, spoke about that earlier. But the way forward is with God. Healing comes from God. Healing comes from God in your marriage, with the fights with your kids, with your co-workers, in your communities, right? When when we're talking about all this race and reconciliation, we continually go back that we have to ultimately view each other as children of God. Why do we do that? Because we understand how necessary that is. I understand, it doesn't matter how much pain and heartache that happens to me. Listen, we, we could pass every law in the book in regards to race. That isn't gonna take away memories. That's not gonna take away pain. That's not gonna take away experiences. Does that mean we don't support No, that's not what we're talking about. But we understand that the other half of that is God. It is an understanding of your identity in Christ. That healing comes from God. The ability to grow comes from God. Not a person. If you feel undervalued at work and slighted, changing jobs isn't going to change the fact that you are valued by God. Heartache. You break up in a relationship. You're in a new one. That's fine, but the pain's still there. You still have to process and work through that. That's God. Over and over again, it will be God. Period. Third thing, and and final thing, God's grace is larger than all of it. Every single moment, every misgiving, every crime, God's grace is bigger. And as Christians, we need to live that out, but also express that to others. It is not our role to speak into the world what should be done to other individuals. It's not. It's our role to extend the grace of God. So are we doing that? Are we getting caught up in the weeds and trying to say like, well, this is what should happen, this is what shouldn't, Because this is was the situation, what's going on, this was deserved. Since when did Christ ever reach out and say what we deserved? When was that the point? So why is that the first thing out of our mouths? It shouldn't. At no point is our salvation dependent on what we've done we need to begin to extend that to everyone else. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not conflict, that you don't have to work with people. It doesn't mean that there's not consequences. That's fine. I'm just saying, what should come out first is the grace of God. Because that is who you are. And unless the rules of how Christ came and died has changed. Our response is the same for every single situation. And Christ has covered it all. Not some, not in this circumstance, not if we know more, What? no. God's grace covers it all. In Timothy 1, 15 through 16, it says this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst sinners... Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. What are you showing other people? Do they see Christ? Do they see Christ working in you and the forgiveness that you were given? Or is it all lip service? Because the best for people is Christ, right? We we can agree on that. So if that's the best for people and we know it, why are we doing things that run counterproductive to that? Why are we getting on these senseless back and forths on social media? Why are we deciding that politics defines things? Why are we deciding that? we ultimately know what is best. Our wisdom has never been true. It's God's wisdom that has. But that has always been a part of our faith. So why do we lose it when it comes to everything else? We're okay in the church talking about it, but as soon as we walk out, we want to sit there and say, "Like, mm, I'm, I'm not sure how far grace and forgiveness goes. Well, it goes far enough to cover everybody. That's it. There comes a certain point in time where we have to decide as Christians that we are going to actually live that and say that to people. Are you willing to extend that to your neighbor? To your spouse? To someone who doesn't look like you? Is that the first thing that's going to come out of your mouth? Is what's most important the grace of God? Understanding that we need to forgive because we were forgiven. I challenge you to think of forgiveness in a different way and in summary I kind of wrote it out and it's small truncated if you remember anything just this when we put it all together we change forgiveness to a process a process where we seek to move towards God with one another knowing that our wounds are only healed when we recognize the full spectrum of God's grace and love I'll read it again. We seek to move towards God with others, knowing that our wounds are only healed when we recognize the full spectrum of God's grace and love. Forgiveness is not about you. It's not about me. It's about moving towards God with each other. And that is the most important thing. We need to come to a place as a church where that is on the forefront of everything that we do. In front of every communication, what we do, how we love, how we are out in our communities. You're not just representing yourself, but you're representing the kingdom of God. you're representing God's grace and for every non-believer that sees you you're deciding how they view God's limits and that's not our place so I challenge you guys change how you think about forgiveness change how you respond how you react to one another. That you don't have to wait to begin working through everything. It doesn't mean that it's not complicated, that it's not messy, that it's not painful. It is. But why do you believe it's God's will to stay there? Let's pray. Dear Lord, you are so much bigger than the pain in this country. You're so much bigger than every bad thing I've ever done. You're bigger than every mistake. You're bigger than every disagreement. You are bigger than the most egregious of sin. Lord, we are called to continually seek out forgiveness. But Lord, I, I pray that we don't view forgiveness as an apology or a quick fix or something that we're owed. Lord, I, I want us to start viewing forgiveness as the grace of God. I want us to start seeing forgiveness as something we we don't deserve, and so we give it to others. I want us to start viewing forgiveness as something we do together. And Lord, I I know it's in your heart. It's what you want for us. But God, I, I just pray that becomes the most important thing that sharing your grace, being a beacon of hope, being willing to start the process of healing is what we wanna do most. Lord, we're called to be a bridge, but God, I, I just pray that as a church, we recognize the connection you made to us. And everything that you covered. Lord, I know going forward, things look difficult and uncomfortable, but let us reach out in grace. Let us show exactly what you've shown us every single day of our lives. Because God, I I want my life to be joy filled. I don't wanna look back and see all the moments and missed opportunities. And God, I, I know you can fill us, but let it overflow so we can reach out to others. That we can speak to one another in love we can begin to forgive one another and start a process of moving towards you together. And it's not just about me. Lord, I I lift all of this in your name.